You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hey friends, I'm so glad you joined me for another episode of Life Repurposed. This week I have a guest and his name is Chris Starin. He's the host of the Truce Podcast. This is a history show that dives deep inside the Christian church and really shakes up some of the things that you might have believed have always been. And he unravels some of those things and shows us the history behind. And so it helps me to understand some of the history that I didn't understand before. Now, we didn't get deep into all of that in this episode. This is really about Chris's life, and I really enjoyed talking with him about how God has brought him through some struggles and how he's going through one right now, and he's walking through it and really trusting God for the next step. Chris is the award-winning filmmaker behind the movies Bringing Up Bobby and Between the Walls, and he talks about those a little bit in this episode. He's also the author of a time travel thriller called Cradle Robber. We didn't even really get into talking about that much, so you'll have to check that one out online. Speaking of online, you'll find the show notes for this episode at michellerayburn.com slash 89, and there you'll get links to Chris's website and any of the resources we talk about in the episode. So without further ado, here's my interview with Chris Welcome, Chris Darren, to the show. I just read your bio, and so I just want to jump right into some conversation with you. So I want to imagine we're sitting at a coffee shop, and we are having a conversation there. And I want to know what you just ordered. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's this thing called the London Fog. I don't drink coffee. Don't tell anybody I said that. It's a little controversial. But uh, it's basically Earl Grey tea and with coconut milk, steamed coconut milk, and it's delicious. And uh, that's that's usually what I get. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so I don't drink my tea with milk. Does it taste like dairy milk, or is it like a totally different experience? It's a little sweeter. It's a little sweeter. Oh, I think then maybe I would like it. You might like it. You're not the only person who goes to a coffee shop to not get coffee. In fact, if I stay all day, I have coffee first and tea seconds. Oh wow! Okay, you stay long enough to get two drinks. That's that's admirable. Well, I feel like if I stay writing and I work more than an hour and a half, I should probably get another beverage or a snack or something. Right. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, I'm using their free Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That little bit of guilt in there. Are you from the Midwest? <laughs> I am. I'm yep. from northern Wisconsin. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the Midwest nice. Is that what it is? I don't yeah. know for that. Midwest nice, guilt. But... Yeah, Midwest yeah. guilt. Yeah, yes, yes. Well, you know, they're paying the bills too. Right, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Chris, we met about a year ago at a podcaster's conference. I remember you won two awards, I think, at the conference. I can't remember what they were. Was one for production? Yeah, best produced podcast and best uh, male podcast host. Oh, yes. And I got the best female podcast host. Yay! And here we are, are finally together. Finally. (laughs) Yes. Our powers combined. Yes. We'll be talking about your podcast and the resources, but I really want to get into your story and have my listeners hear a little bit more about you. I know there's some Hollywood in part of your story, but I want you to tell us a little bit about your faith journey. Where did you first have that awareness of a relationship with Christ? Is that something that's been part of your life forever, or do you have a moment you can point back to? Yeah, and I have a twin brother, and he's going to figure into this pretty heavily, but we... (laughs) 
we were homeschooled for a few years as, as with our older brother. And, um, our mom took us to go see this play called heaven's gates and hell's flames. When I was 10 years old, it's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, there's one <laughs> side of the stage was heaven. One side of the stage was hell. And then there were a bunch of fake deaths that people went through and then wow. they stood before the judgment seat and either went to the right side of the stage or the left. And, uh, you know, people say that that's not a great, ministry technique, but it worked, you know? Um, so both my twin brother and I went forward that night, um, and accepted the Lord and somebody gave me a new Testament to read. And I started reading the new Testament for myself right then when I was 10 years old. Uh, so it was actually kind of a perfect timing because it saved me a lot of misery as a teenager. Mm. I didn't feel like as the pressure to experiment with, you know, drugs or sex or anything like that. It's like, no, I don't need that. I've got Jesus. I'm good to go. So it, it saved me a lot of, uh, a lot of that misery. Wow. Reading the new Testament at 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a bit of a brainy guy. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm smart, but uh, I really love to figure out how things work and how they got to where they are. And so I had been going to church for a while at that point. Our parents started out taking us to Catholic churches, and then they kind of bopped around to Protestant churches until we settled in at one uh, that my dad had a good friend at. Um, unfortunately, that guy uh, recently died of COVID-related um, illness. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, uh, because of that guy inviting my parents to church, kind of set our whole family on this course where uh, our parents then took us to this play. So uh, for everybody out there, if you want to invite your friend to church, <laughs> invite your friend to church. It can make a big, big difference. Yes. You know, so that story, I, I can relate to some of what you're saying there with that idea of being afraid of hell. Yeah. How do you think that affected you as you moved into your teenage years? Did you continue to think of that moment or were there other challenges? There were a lot of challenges. Yeah, there there were a lot of challenges. Um, my brother and I, twin brother and I, were picked on a lot in high school. And mm -hmm. a lot of that was because of stuff my older brother had done. Honestly, I don't think I was ever in high school teased for something I actually did. And mm -hmm. so it was kind of a confusing thing. It's like, well, why why don't people like me? <laughs> you know, I haven't done anything to be <laughs> unlikable. And um, And so my faith was really something that carried me through that. And there were a lot of godly people that helped me through. I had specifically a Sunday school teacher who... Um, she just treated us like we were intelligent, which is something that nobody had done before. It was always like, let's play a fun game because you you don't have the attention span to to pay attention to this story. It's like, no, of course I do. I can pay attention. Yeah. And so she just basically like flopped the Bible open. We went through the New Testament together and uh, it was a great class. And all, all the people in the in the class kind of grew just by yeah. the word doing its thing which is pretty incredible. Um, so even then, uh, my brother and I went to a secular college, Ithaca College in Ithaca, New York, to study cinema and photography. By the way, don't anybody ever go to film school. It's a complete waste of money. Um, just go, <laughs> I've heard other people say that. Yeah, you, you could just go work in Hollywood, you know, start at the bottom, which is where you're going to start anyway when you go out there. And mm -hmm. uh, you'll, get, you'll be four years ahead and you won't be nearly as far in debt. So, <laughs> But we went there and that was a, a good proving ground for my brother and I, because we grew up in Ohio and uh, sort of on the, in the, on the border of the suburbs in the rural area. And a lot of the people we grew up with were very conservative and if not Christian, they were sort of nominally Christian, you know, they mm -hmm. culturally Christian. 
And we got to college and it was just like, oh, uh, these are all the people I've been hearing about on fundamentalist radio all the year, all these years. And the idea was like, be afraid of these people on fundamentalist radio. But you realize pretty quickly that that, that is not Jesus's attitude. Uh, he was mm-hmm. always interested in, in seeking out everybody. Uh, even if you were, you know, a Pharisee, if you were a prostitute, didn't matter. And um, I think, unfortunately, in the Christian world, we are, we're really good at creating a they, like a those yes. people that they, if the world didn't have those people, it'd be so much better. And we forget that God sent his son to die for those people. And uh, so it was, it was a really great opportunity to open my eyes and start to try to witness and befriend people who were very different than me, not so I could kind of like acquiesce and become a drinker and a partier and stuff, but because those people needed Jesus just as much as I did. Um, and actually, I, now to circle back to your question, I wasn't, wasn't really afraid of hell uh, after I was 10 uh, because it was yeah. like, oh, I'm not going there. So end of story, <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh, it just it was just kind of enough information that I, I was able to make an informed decision and uh, by the grace of God was saved at, at 10. Yeah. So I'm thinking about your college experience. I went to a secular college too, and I had come from a really sheltered environment. Yeah. So going into that, stepping into a secular college, were you coming into it looking for Christian friends or were you thinking this is going to be an experience? I'm just going to get the full-on college experience? Oh, yeah. We went looking for Christian friends immediately. Uh, but in our our first year of our college experience, we encountered basically a group of nominal Christians. So folks that were kind of cult- culturally Christian didn't really understand the Bible. Uh, our school had two different chaplains that were there during our time. Neither of them believed that Jesus was God or believed that the Bible spoke truth. So it was, first of all, it's like, why did they get hired? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That should be like the number one question on the form. Uh, do you believe in Jesus? But uh, so it was, a, it was a really interesting environment because we kind of realized, you know, we grew up in an environment where largely the, the people in our youth group believed, and our, a lot of them are still mm-hmm. strong believers. But we walked into this environment where people were just kind of nominal and culturally Christian. And, uh, and so we had this kind of a big falling out because my brother and I, Nick, we, we were teaching a, a small group uh, reading through the Bible and uh, a lot of folks couldn't handle it. They were really upset with mm-hmm. it. And so uh, we had this big schism one day where I, I thought I was losing my whole group of friends. And by the grace of God, we're, I'm walking to dinner right after that to the, to the mess hall and walked through this group of people. And I'm like, why are they just sitting in the middle of the, the sidewalk? And one of the guys is playing a Jars of Clay song on a guitar. And I'm like, <laughs> that's a Christian song, but we're the only Christians on this campus. So why, who are these people? And it turns out there was a whole other group of what was then Campus Crusade for Christ and is now crew uh, there in the middle of the folks. And so that was, that was a, a really great resource for my brother and I. But we went to college. Our attitude was like, let's be, instead of on the defensive where it's like, I have to protect myself from these people. It was, let's be on the offensive and see this as a ministry opportunity. So my brother and I were studying films and we made most of our student films as outreach to our classmates because they had to watch all of the films that were (laughs) student films. And if our student films were about Jesus, they would get exposed to it. Um, 
And so, and then of course that was a lot of trial and error where we went from really sort of heavy handed stuff to stuff that was more cared about them as people, <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so we, we kind of went in with that side, that idea uh, to the point where even my favorite thing to do was get there a few days early and help the freshmen move in. And uh, we found that if you could be the first person that they met on campus, the chances of them re- chasing after the faith that they had when they were teenagers would be much better than if you caught them two weeks later and yeah. they had a lot more influence. So my brother and I would go with our, our campus crusade group and we would uh, have little notepads and this is before everybody had a smartphone and we would write down the the name of the person, the, the room number and a few things that we learned about them. And we would just keep going back and visiting all those people we helped move in. And eventually they would kind of sort through people that you could invest in. And uh, it was just a fantastic way to, to make friends and then hopefully build the kingdom. Yeah. I wish I had done it that way. So I was involved in crew. <laughs> yeah. I From the day I arrived on campus, my RA was in crew and she invited me to go to a picnic. Wow. And I agree, the day you move in, that's really important. That's the day. So I did have all of my crew friends and we went door to door knocking on dorms. But what I wish I had done was to think about the relationship mm-hmm. because I, I look at it and it's like leading Bible studies and everything. And I think I still had this mental block of they, like, yeah. I'm going to fix them because they're not like me. <laughs> right. And it wasn't until later that God really gripped my heart for people. And I know that you have a desire to reach out to people that have been pushed out and are on those margins where yeah. maybe they haven't found a place in church. So I'd like to know, did you have any spiritual crisis of your own or uh, a yeah. moment where you had to come to Jesus and with your own faith? Multiple times, many, many, I'm going through one now, actually, but uh, I used to make Christian films. My brother and I made two feature length Christian films, Bringing Up Bobby, which is available on uh, Pure Flix and on YouTube legally and uh, Amazon and uh, Between the Walls. And we were shooting what is essentially the climax of the movie for Between the Walls. And almost nothing went right for that movie, Uh, if you watch the behind the scenes for other Christian films, it's all about how God provided in all these different ways. Mm-hmm. Nothing worked for us in our films. And yeah, everything's so perfect in those Christian films. Yeah. Even in the behind the scenes and uh, ours were just <laughs> tragedies. You know, our lead actress was three days late to set uh, and didn't tell mm-hmm. us why we just were like, why, why isn't she coming? And uh, so there, there were just a lot of things that went wrong. And there was this moment um, that takes place in, in front of a burn barrel in the backyard of where we were filming. And um, it would snow for one moment and then not snow for another moment. And for continuity, you know, you want it to be one or the other. And it was just sort of the, the compounding of, of weeks and weeks of pressure and stuff not going right. And I was just really upset that, that God wouldn't, arrange the weather to be one thing or the other so we could shoot. And I felt like I heard what Job's wife said to him when he was, you know, sitting in a pile of ashes, which was basically curse God and die. Like it was this very clear idea in my head. And it was by the grace of God, I didn't listen to that, you know, um, (laughs) that would have been disastrous. Um, But we do get into that temptation that, uh, especially when you see other people's lives being so happy portrayed all the time, Mm -hmm. that they never struggle, but somehow I do. So maybe God doesn't love me like he does other people, or maybe I'm cursed somehow. Um, 
And uh, that's all just nonsense. It's just that everybody else buries their stuff. Um, and uh, so that, that was one of those really pivotal moments. Where it was like, either I can follow Jesus or I'm going to walk away. And by the grace of God, I, I continue to follow the Lord, even though things continue to go poorly. <laughs> yeah, there is that myth that we're going to have a perfect life if we follow Christ. Yeah. And it, I I don't know anybody who has a perfect life, but they sure make it look that way on Instagram. Yeah. And behind the scenes or even in testimonies, uh, you know, it's it's amazing how we do that. And I don't think it's helpful at all. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot of the times when I open up to friends or, or people I'm trying to share with uh, inevitably they say, Oh yeah, I, I've gone through that before, but nobody's ever said that before. It's like, really? <laughs> I'm the first person you've ever talked to about that thing. And um, I think that's a shame. It really limits how we mm-hmm. do ministry. And I guess it's one of the reasons I do my show is that I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to address things the, this backstory behind why everybody is so angry and so uptight. Yeah. And it's a lot of stuff that we never talk about in the Christian world. And I, I think there are a lot of reasons why we don't talk about that stuff, especially as ministries. So many ministries are funded um, as nonprofits and to maintain that profits, nonprofit status, you're held back by what you can talk about politically. And you're also at the mercy of donors. You know, right. so a lot of churches, it's the wealthy people who run the church because they're the ones mm-hmm. paying for it and they have the most influence. Whereas a small podcast like mine, you know, I, mm-hmm. I have no plans of becoming a nonprofit and I, I, intend- well, I don't know about you, but my podcast is kind of a nonprofit and that you don't make money. Way. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah I <laughs> That's a different nonprofit. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I would like to be able to do my show for a living, but I, I don't right. want it to be a financial structure of a nonprofit. Right. And I, I think that's, it's one of the, curious places the American church finds itself in is that our pastors can't speak about really pressing issues because mm-hmm. the, the wealthy people won't let them. Um, so it's right. a gift that we have as podcasters yes. to be able to speak truth where, where other people can't. Yeah. So I think back to college years now. I don't know what yeah. years you were in college, but I was in the late 80s. And so yeah. we were going door to door and dorms with these little booklets called the Four Spiritual Laws. Yeah. And we were explaining how God has a wonderful plan for your life and sin has separated us from him. But there was a missing piece, and this is where I think you're talking about now, is that relationship where we're really having conversations, asking people, what's the hard thing you're going through right now? How can I come alongside you? Here's what God offers. That's a whole different approach. So you do that in your podcast. You're really coming alongside people and you're saying, here's some information, but... I care about you as a person. This yeah. isn't about me just giving quick, read this and make a decision to follow Christ. Right. That's the hope. Yeah. That's hope. And it's a harder thing to do to have compassion. It's much easier to be sort of industrial about the thing and be like, I ask right. you these four questions and then you're saved and then that's it. Uh, right. But um, the reality is that it's, it's much better to, to find out where people are at and address the actual issue that's going on. Maybe not even yeah. a lot of the time that the issue that's, forward facing is not the issue that is actually the problem. So, you know, you think about anybody that you've, we argue with the most with the people that we love the most, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So if you, if, if maybe like uh, your, the, your significant other is really upset about you not doing the dishes, you probably should figure out that maybe they're not as upset about that as they are that I forgot their birthday. You know, right. the, the forward facing <laughs> issue is rarely the one that is, 
is more important and the reason people are upset or angry. Right. So my, my goal with the show and also in ministry and in life is to generally figure out what is that issue that's going on in the back end? Um, because if we can take care of that thing, the other things will fall in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, with the show, that's what I'm always trying to do. And, and sometimes that means looking at um, the harder parts of the Bible because I think even when we're sharing the Bible, a lot of the times it sounds like it's a rule book, like it's just a mm-hmm. list of bullet point rules, and it's not that at all. Right. And I mean, I, there are sections like that, <laughs> but in the grand scheme of things, it's not really that. Um, yeah. And we also kind of guss it up with, you know, if you believe in Jesus, your life is going to be awesome. Meanwhile, yeah. there's all these stories and acts about Paul being thrown out of towns and bitten by snakes and shipwrecked and right, beaten, you know, and. We don't ever talk about those things when, in fact, the Bible really does reflect reality and the actual suffering that all people will go through. Right. So there's so much more to share than what's in those four spiritual laws, though it, though it is helpful to have a system like that. Sure. Um, I find it's much better to, um, to take that system and adapt it. So not to go on too much of a tangent, <laughs> but what helped me when I was writing Bringing Up Bobby in Between the Walls, because they're gospel films and i had to have the characters share the gospel was that i i had to preach the gospel to myself so i would do that in the shower or while i was driving and there was nobody listening and um that helped me kind of find my own words and my own rhythm and um and then i would kind of throw scenarios at myself for different folks and it's not to again not to build a script but to get the words out of your mouth because it's one thing to think mm-hmm. something it's a completely different thing to say something so uh, that's it that's a great little takeaway tip for you there <laughs> yeah i love that because that's the thing like it's not it's so cheesy in how we do it i'm a writer you know i've i've read books where novels it's just like pasted in or movies where the gospel is pasted in mm-hmm. and it really can lead to a negative opinion for some people of who christians are because it, it's I I don't even know how to describe it. There's probably a term, but almost like a stereotype, like you can spot the Christian yes, based on how cheesy they are. And so you've said if we can be the exception to the negative opinions of Christians, it opens the door for the gospel. And I'd like to know, like, what are those negative opinions or perceptions that you've encountered? Right. Well, one of the main things is like pretending that I have never sinned and don't sin and don't struggle with sin. Um, cause it's, it's so much easier for, for those people, what, whatever sin that they're struggling with to pretend that you've never struggled with anything that's on par with that. And yeah. Cause theirs is so much bigger than my sin. Of you course. Know, Chris. Yeah. It, and, and, <laughs> you know, the interesting thing about Jesus is, well, when we talk about sin, we like to talk about the 10 commandments because they're clear. There's the bullet points, but when you get to the new Testament, you have Jesus say, yeah, I told you not to, you know, not to, uh, sleep around and uh, uh, not to be sexually immoral. But but I'm telling you that if you've ever lusted after someone in your heart, that you have committed adultery. And um, that evens the playing field for all of us, because mm-hmm. I don't care who you are, you have lusted after something or someone, you know, you've committed adultery in your in your mind. And so we shouldn't be going with that idea of, oh, I'm going to go talk to that sinner over there. It should be like, this is another human being who is going through something that's very similar to what I've been through. And uh, I think that's just a much better approach to have compassion for people Mm -hmm. rather than to be ready to judge them. 
I, I remember when uh, we made Bringing Up Bobby, uh, the lead character is a goth kid. You know, he dresses all in black. He has a hair and a mohawk. And that was because we were trying to reach the kids that we were working with. We volunteered for camp- with Campus Life for a few years. And a lot of our kids were goth kids. And they often were the sweetest, smartest kids in the whole group. But because of the way they dressed, a lot of adults were afraid of them. So I, when we finished the film and I was trying to market it, I made business cards that had the a picture of the goth kid on it. And I handed one out to somebody at a, a film festival once. And she audibly gasped when she saw the picture of this kid on the, the goth kid. I'm like, what? it's a picture on a card, you know, it, it's, <laughs> he's not going to jump out and kill you or something, you know? Uh, but I think that um, a lot of our perceptions are that uh, I, I need to judge people immediately by their appearances or their hobbies, whatever they're into, rather than understand that that is a person who needs Jesus just as right. much as I do. Um, and, and clothing is a big way that we judge folks. Uh, mm-hmm. Or dare I say in this political era, you know, by their politics. You know, if your neighbor mm-hmm. has a sign in their yard for a different political uh, group than you, it's easy enough to write them off. But that may be the very person Jesus wants you to speak to. Yeah, I I think in some churches it's hard for somebody with tattoos to come in yeah. without having people run the other way. So yeah, we do judge based on outward appearance, on skin color, on so many things. Yeah. My heart, like yours, is for all people to have that opportunity to have a relationship with Christ and to not be the roadblock. So you've talked about being making yourself difficult to offend. I'd like to know what that means. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, with that, you know, your neighbor has a political sign in their yard that you don't agree with. Um, A lot of the times it's easy to get offended by that sign and that thing. And that keeps you from having a conversation with somebody or the lifestyle somebody else is leading or the pronouns that they're using, those kinds of things. It's easy to be offended by that. And that kind of shuts you up, you know, and, and, Mm-hmm. clams you up and you're afraid. Uh, but then you're no good to anybody at that point. You're not good to them sharing the gospel. You're not really being a witness in your life. Um, so a lot of times I've had to just tell myself at this point, my opinion doesn't matter. Um, my political stances and things. The ma- main thing is that this person feels listened to um, and that then I can share God's love to them uh, because what they're expecting if they're anything like a lot of the folks I went to college with is that if you're a Christian, you're going to come in, not listen to them and just bark at them. And that's, yeah. that's not helpful to anybody. You're not going to, you're not going to see people turn to Jesus with that. And you're not going to build a real relationship when so much of, of sharing the gospel really is listening to people um, asking good questions and then being there for them, even when they've told you something that maybe they haven't told anybody else. And you miss out on that if you're offended. You know, it just, there are, there's a time to be offended, but it's rarely when we feel offended that we should be. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Our emotions tell us a lot. They do. Yeah. And they can be, yeah. they can be really tricky. I mean, offense, again, offense can be good. It, it, it maybe is one of those natural instincts that we have to survive out in the wild, but um, it's, it's not always helpful. <laughs> you know, if your political affiliation is more important than the person sitting across the table from you, you've got a problem. 
Yeah, I'm listening to what you're saying, and you're talking about how scripture can be helpful, but also we have to look at, like, how am I using it? My goal with this podcast, and for those who are listening right now, is for all of you to know that Scripture is a beautiful letter written to you from God with life instructions, with things that convict us sometimes, but not with the shame-filled motive, but with how God longs for us to have a better life than we live when we try it on our own. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're going through another wave of difficulty right now. You don't have to share the details, but I would like to know... For the person who's listening in, how do we process that difficulty when, okay, so now I know Christ and something difficult has come up. What's my next step in that? Like, can you tell us a little bit about your own processing? Yeah, well, it, it mine is different than everybody else's. So uh, hopefully this helps somebody. But uh, uh, what's going on is that I live in the wealthiest community in the wealthiest country in the world. So um, the millionaires and billionaires are chasing each other out of here because they're, it's, the real estate is so expensive. Um, the median price for a house in Teton County, Wyoming is $2.2 million. Whoa. Um, so that gives you an idea. As a school bus driver and as a podcaster, I don't make anywhere near the amount of money that it takes to build, buy a house. Um, so what's happened is that the house I'm living in is very old and uh, has not been taken care of well maintained uh, it was not built well and so the roof is starting to um, collapse cave in uh, from snow load and poor construction and i uh, i can't find a new place to live because there are so many people moving in so many millionaires moving in from california and new york and things that there's literally there's no houses there's no space Um, and so yeah so it's one of those things i was telling somebody today it feels like i'm 20 again and (laughs) I don't know where I'm going to move. I don't know what my job is going to be because uh, I can't drive a bus from long distance. And right. uh, and so I basically may need to go build a whole new life. Um, and, mm. and for me, what's, and this is the part that it's like, I'm not sure if this applies to everybody, but maybe somebody. Um, I find a tremendous amount of comfort in the Old Testament prophets, which is, it seems backwards. <laughs> I want to hear this because this is unusual. Yeah. I love the Old Testament prophets. I started reading Jeremiah again, and I'm slowly going through it. Uh, it's a fascinating book because of all the history and stuff that goes on, and it's not really told in order. And uh, so it's a bit challenging, but uh, to me, it really shows uh, so many different things. Again, that the Bible actually does line up with the real world, um, because if you believe that the Bible is full of fluff and joy and skipping through you know, tulip fields life is going to be very confusing for you because your Mm -hmm. life won't match up with the Bible. And often people who hold that view of the Bible don't read the whole thing. Um, They're just kind of reading sections or they don't read it at all. Or they, you know, do that flip open the Bible and point to a verse and, you know, that's not helpful to anybody. But uh, what I love about Jeremiah is that he is, as my pastor likes to say, he is this um, righteous man who, spoke God's word and nobody followed him. He had an, a quote unquote ineffective ministry for 40 years. And that was his calling in life. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and so as waves of public sentiment washed against him, like he stayed true. And there are times when he laments, there's, you know, a book of lamentations in the Bible mm-hmm. after all. Um, but uh, he stayed true and stayed on mission with God. And um, so that has been my challenge to myself 
has to stay on mission as this podcast that I was hoping would be my full-time job has not even come close to that. Um, and now I'm losing my housing and I might have to leave my, my job. Um, the, the goal is to be like Jeremiah uh, as much as possible, the good parts of Jeremiah. And, um, <laughs> and there's a time for lamenting in life. Um, so that, that's one of the things I keep coming back to um, is, is that reality that it, your success in God's eyes does not necessarily translate to success in this world. Yeah. Just be faithful to what God's called you to do. That right there, that would be one. We could end the interview right there. <laughs> okay. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I do want to do is have you tell about your resource, the podcast, but um, I don't want to brush over what you just said because you were real and honest about where you're at. And that's, where our listeners are is like they're they're experiencing i don't know on the other side of this microphone what somebody else is experiencing and so i want them to know that wherever you are god is there and you might not know the next step but he is there those steps are sometimes hard though aren't they chris oh it's terrible yeah i mean i uh there was a night a couple a week ago i guess i did a bus trip i drove um i drove a sports team out of town and it was a really long day, something like eight hours of driving in one day. And it, it was dark and it was late and I was pumping diesel into the bus and um, was just thinking about the reality of my situation and just started crying there in the bus by myself. <laughs> uh, and I was just thinking, oh, yeah, there's cameras all over this bus. What if they pull the cameras in mine and I'd be crying <laughs> on the bus? Um, and it's, we have to remember that it's okay to grieve and it's okay yes. to lament. And it's okay to feel what you're feeling. Um, but at the same time, what's given me a lot of hope is that I know that a year from now, um, I'm going to be able to look back on this time and say, boy, wasn't that exciting. The whole world was open to me again. Like I was 20 years old, you know, I, a whole, I could go to any city and start a new life, make new friends, maybe get into a better, deeper dating pool because I've, I'm still single and I'm almost 40. Maybe it's time for that. Who knows what God has on the other side of this? Um, so, yeah. And it was really nice last night. Um, our small group has been sharing socially distanced um, our personal testimonies. Um, and so yesterday was my turn to share. And I got to, as part of that, thank everybody on the group for their role in making me a, a better Christian. And, you know, we're so bad at telling the people that we care about that we care about them until it's something has happened yeah. and it makes us tell them. And so I just happen to be at that moment where I have to start telling people that I care about them. And there's a certain beauty in that um, to, to be able to invest in folks. So I'm trying to also enjoy those, those little bittersweet moments as much as possible. That's great. Great. Another great takeaway that we can invest in people now and not wait until it's too late. Oh, yeah. Send the flowers to people now, not to their funeral, that kind of thing. It's, you know? it's like, totally true. And and especially for guys, it can be very difficult to say, I love you, to especially to your friends. Yeah. Um, but in the last year, I've just been like, I love you. I've just, I've been telling them, oh, I love you. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> because they need to know, you know, that I yes. really care. Well, tell us about Truth Podcast, how you, like, why did you start it? Yeah. Why did you get the idea? And then why do my listeners need to tune in to, to Truth Podcast? Oh, you absolutely need to. Um, they do. <laughs> it's, um, uh, so I started the show 
three and a half years ago, because uh, during the Trump administration, a lot of my friends on all different sides of the political spectrum were just so angry. And of course, that eventually got worse. But uh, I, I realized that we didn't really know why we were angry and what mm. was going on. And there was a lot of slinging of like, the church should really do this. And it was like, well, should we, you know, or how did we get to the point where we think the church should do X, Y, and Z? And um, through a lot of conversations I had with my friends in very small groups or on walks or something, I realized that even I didn't know that much, but I knew more than they did. And just my, my little bit of knowledge could really help them understand what was going on. And uh, so I made uh, season one largely to try to start those conversations and help people see, get a gain a little perspective on things. And uh, that's what the show has kind of become is I'm always trying to find that thing that's behind what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, and so the last season, season three here, that's just now wrapping up has been about how the rise of communism in Russia impacted the American Christian church and created an era of public religion in the United States. Um, so one of the great myths about the United States is that we have always been on this upward trajectory. We've always been godly. But if you even stop to think about it for a second, if you know any history at all, you'll know that that's not true. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, there would not have been a second great awakening. <laughs> there would not have been further revivals. Billy Graham would have had no career because everybody would have already been right. saved. Um, there, the, as much as we bemoan church attendance and the dropping of church attendance now, more people attend church um, a greater percentage of people attend church in the United States than they did after World War I. Um, so these, these things are just sort of cyclical. Um, and a lot of the monuments we've created in the United States, from the Ten Commandments monuments, those red granite ones you see in a lot of town squares, uh, to uh, God being on the money, God being in the Pledge of Allegiance, a lot of those things are relatively new. Um, most of them came about in the 1950s. Um, during the Eisenhower administration. And we think about them like they've been there forever. Yeah, we talk about them like they've been there forever. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's not really a helpful way to think of the country. Right. And again, um, I'm all, you know, it's fine being patriotic and stuff. That is one of those things that helps us identify who our people are. And, you know, it's mm -hmm. one of those things that would help you survive in the jungle. Who's on your side? Who's not on your side? But at the same time, the our politics can really become... And our patriotism can really become idols, especially if we don't have any idea of the story behind them. And if, if we do lift up the United States as God's country and it's, it has always done righteous, good things, we have a really hard time explaining things like the American coup in Guatemala or the uh, American backing um, unrighteous regimes in Congo, oppressive regimes in Congo, or even Native Americans, Native Alaskans, or treatment of, of African Americans. Um, none of that stuff lines up with Christianity at all. Yeah. And so part of the job of the show has been trying to help people who see that disparity between quote unquote Christian nation and what Christianity actually is, and trying to be like, um, how did we get to that point? And uh, it, do we really need to be there? And how is communism, how has the fear of communism enabled us uh, to build up that myth? 
Yeah, you do a ton of research for your episodes. And so it's really grounded in a lot of historical facts, but you don't make it boring. Yeah. So there's sound effects and voices and you just you make history entertaining. And this is from somebody who's not usually a history buff. Yeah. So and I, I said I told you off air that the first episode I listened to is one on the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. And it really helped me to understand the history of it mm-hmm. and not what I've always been taught or just what I've always repeated. So I love that you're helping people understand the real history and not what we keep repeating. Praise God. And it's it's been a joy. And I think one of the joys of it myself has been that I didn't know almost any of that when I started researching. So the joy has been discovering it for myself and then getting to share. I think that's why I'm so excited generally in the episodes is because it's like, oh, I get to tell people about this neat thing. Yeah. You sound like you're having fun when you record your episodes. Yeah. I really try to. But even with like the Pledge of Allegiance, um, I talked to a a professor who talks about uh, the history of patriotism and how it's been expressed in education. And so often in the show, I'm trying to find people who may not even be Christians, but who can explain this historic moment that created something. And, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance was written by Francis Bellamy in the late 1800s, a guy who was a former Baptist minister, but was also a Christian socialist. And, you know, he he did it as a way to sell flags for a magazine. So it was a capitalist endeavor that was headed by a socialist that created the original pledge. And then it wasn't until the 1950s that God was added into the pledge. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it went a long time, something I think it was like 70 years or 60 or 70 years without having God mentioned in yeah. it. And then it got added into it. Um, and that's one of those funny things that we, it's one of those hills that we're willing to die on as Christians. But if we really know the history, it's kind of like, well, maybe I shouldn't be tying, I shouldn't be so passionate about this thing. Um, Again, patriotism's fine. Expressing God in the public square is great. Um, But uh, it just has to be done in a way that is respectful of history Mm -hmm. and is not just like hurting our witness when we're trying to help the witness. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, So there's a little sneak peek for my listeners of what you you might get in one of the Truce podcasts. And I like that you have discussion questions on your website, too. That's a really helpful resource. Not very many podcasts do that. In fact, I'm thinking, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) Because it allows people to have intelligent discussions about the content. So even if you don't agree, you could sit down and have a conversation and say, this is going to be friendly. This is not a fight. It's not a debate. But let's talk about this. What do you think about this? So so those are included with the show notes of each one of Chris's episodes. I will have links to everything in the show notes for this episode at michellerayburn.com slash 89. But Chris, I'd like people to know where they can find you online. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, the, you can find everything all about truce and about my movies and my novel at trucepodcast.com or anywhere that you get podcasts. All right. And I'll link up to that so people can find you. What would you like to leave with my listeners as we close out today? I feel like I'm a broken record on this thing, but ever since I was 10 and somebody handed me a New Testament, I've been very passionate about people reading the Bible for themselves. And so I would say, if you've never done it, you don't have to do it in a year. You don't have to do it in two years. Find a pace that works for you. But start maybe in, if you've never read it, start in the book of Mark, and just go for it. It's amazing how deep and how rich it is. And it, it seems so scary because it's a big book, but you don't have to read it all today. Just start start where you can and uh, you'll be amazed how wonderful it is. 
Fantastic advice. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate having you with me today. This has been a real treat, Michelle. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Chris a little bit more this week. Be sure to check out the show notes at michellebrayburn.com slash 89. And that's where you get the links to the podcast we talked about, to his book, and also to the movies that Chris has produced. So you'll find that all in the show notes. Also check out the link there to the Facebook community for Life Repurposed. I'd love to have you join us in that group so that we can continue the discussions each week. And I can learn a little bit more about you because my goal is to provide content that helps to relate to your everyday life. And so that's where I can get to know you. So go there and check that out. Thanks for joining me this week. And I hope you have a wonderful week. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.